Hello and welcome back to Not A Perfect Parent, the podcast where we share the extraordinary wisdom of ordinary parents. Today I am so happy to be here with Kay. Kay is a property investor and a mum of two daughters. Join us as we chat and giggle through Kay's very different experiences of welcoming a first and second child as we talk through how parenting can bring a new level to your relationship and why it is absolutely okay to have a mum bun on the school run. Hi Kay. Hello, you okay? Hi, thanks for coming on to Not A Perfect Parent. No problem, not, not at all. Can we start with a little bit about your parenting journey up to now? So I have um, two little girls, six and three, both planned I was very fortunate in that me and my partner didn't struggle to have children not very well planned I'd like to add they are um, a week apart in December one's the 22nd of December <laughs> and one is the 30th of December nine um, months before that is um, my partner's birthday so <laughs> I can't wait till they work that out when they're older um, <laughs> and now they're six and three nearly seven and four so it's gone very quickly <laughs> And what were your kind of expectations before you had your eldest about what being a mum would look like or what family life would look like? I think I naively probably thought that I'd have a lot more time with my children. We had my eldest and I worked as an office manager. I sort of had a really perfect pregnancy, got diabetes, so I ended up injecting and that was pretty much the worst thing. I lost about a stone and a half in weight. I felt amazing. You know, everything you see on the telly where these people have beautiful little bumps and I felt on top of the world. I had her and again, to be honest with you, textbook with Dave, like everything went well. I connected with her straight away. And then I decided not to go back to work and I ended up working for my parents. So I had a lot more time with Eva. And then we decided to get into property, buy houses. So we were learning how to buy houses and being mentored and then found out we were pregnant with Dottie. And it couldn't have been more different than with my first pregnancy. I was very stressed, injected a lot earlier, felt like rubbish a lot of the way through. And it sort of, when I had her, it really impacted how I bonded with dots because I was much busier and much more stressed and the difference between the two I think really sort of shocked me because I'd bonded straight away with my eldest I was like this is amazing this is incredible but with Dottie I didn't I was like how do I fit two in? Your expectations came from that perfect textbook pregnancy with Eva. Yeah. So how did you realise that it was more complicated with Dottie or how did you start to move through that? I think when I had Dot as well, she was 12 weeks old when we went into lockdown, which obviously had a huge impact on mental health as well as, you know, fear. You do go a bit nuts, don't you, when you've had a baby. You've got this little thing that you're trying to protect and then, like I say, it was like apocalyptic on the news all the time and at that time I watched the news a lot because I was in the house on my own what I made myself do was I made us get dressed I made us have breakfast I made us go for a walk I made us we'd do coloring then I, I put routine in place and I think that really helped because that's what I'd done with Eva but we were able to go out so I think I sort of had to dig deep and be like right what's going to make this better what's going to help this situation and it was routine the routine of 
making sure that we get dressed, making sure that we have showers in the morning or baths in the morning, making sure that we do bedtime routine and things like that. That's what pulled us through because I was locked in the house with two kids, basically. So, and it all was a bit mental. So how did it look? that difficulty with Dottie you said you connected really well with Eva was that different for you with Dottie yeah so I think I don't know if it's first child versus second child I used to I remember I used to sing and drum my fingers on my belly and things with Diva and I used to talk to her and stuff but with Dots I didn't and I don't know if that's just because it was second child I didn't feel like it was needed or oh I was just much busier um I don't really feel like I connected to her while she was growing. And then I thought I was having a boy. So when she was born and they put her in front of me, I actually burst into tears because she was a girl, which then made me feel guilty because I was fortunate enough to have had a, a healthy baby. And that was the most important thing. But there was a part of me that was disappointed that she wasn't a boy because I'd anticipated that I was having a boy. The labour was much more traumatic with dot which I genuinely don't think helps because their job is to get the baby out safe and you're like a byproduct and actually it's very dehumanizing how you're treated like I ended up with a catheter and like some lady came in and gave me a bed bath and I was like what are you doing I'm a 32 year old woman like I'm fine I can bath myself I don't need that um I think everything about it was set up for me not to bond with her, if that makes sense. And in all honesty, it took me probably 12 months to be like, okay, you're here. Like, I loved her to death, but actually, sounds really mean this, but she was kind of inconvenient when she came in that we were trying to grow the business. I'd got a three-year-old. I didn't connect with her. She went onto formula rather than uh, boob feeding because I didn't have the time to to feed her, to pump or anything like that. So it took me a good 12 months to sort of connect and be like, let's have fun together. Like, you, you're cool. Like, you've gone past the baby stage. I can't just put you down now. That's what sort of pulled us out. Like, when she was, like, 18 months old, Eva went to school. When Eva went to school, we started doing uh, coffee dates. we go for breakfast on a Wednesday morning every Wednesday. Just me and her, we have an hour in a cafe and we chat about everything that's happened in the week. And I think really that's been sort of almost like a turning point. That's what we needed to make us bond, if that makes sense. I think it's mad because there is an expectation that you have a baby and you're responsible for them, which is great. But actually, just because you've grown them doesn't mean that it's an instant bond. And I struggled more with Dot because I'd had that with Eva. I felt like a first-time mum with Dot, where I didn't with Eva. I'll stop waffling you... now. <laughs> no, I just love your honesty. Like you say, to speak what is the truth in the face of that expectation. Yeah. Did you feel able to do that at the time? Did you feel able to say to people around you, this is how I'm feeling? Um, my partner, yes, I did. I think it was pretty obvious to my partner that, because obviously he'd seen me as a mum with Dave and a mum with Dot. I think he was aware of it without me having to really say it. But I did say to him, I, I cried because it makes you feel awful. You're a mum. Like I say, I've been very fortunate that I've been able to have children naturally. But actually, I can't bond with her. I can't. I've, it's like I had nothing in common with her. And I was like, 
how am I meant to look after you? I don't know you. When Eva came along, I knew what her cries were. I knew what her, when she was starting to get hungry, I knew when she wanted to play. But with Dot, none of that came natural. So actually it was, I could talk to my partner, but again, there's like, I mean, nobody wants to admit that they're struggling, do they? I don't know why. Um, and I think in all honesty, I think it probably took me till she was 12 months old for me to be like, oh, actually, yeah, I have struggled. I really have struggled. And it's hindsight now that I look back and I think then first 12 months of her life, I couldn't feed her and put her down quick enough. And I think actually there was probably something else playing there that was never picked up by me or any health professional that perhaps should have mentioned postnatal or something like that. Yeah. No, it's it's so important, isn't it, to be able to talk about these things. And like you say, in hindsight, it's easy to say it now because you're not in that situation with her. Yeah. But as you say, maybe it was at that time. And it's a shame that we don't feel able as mums to say this isn't working or maybe I need some help. But I don't know what it is. Yeah, I think that's the thing. I think when you have kids, there's an expectation on you as a person that you know what's wrong with your kid you know what that cry means especially as a mum because dads aren't there as often they go out to work and my partner ended up being um like all through lockdown he worked throughout it all so I was at home with a 12 week old a three-year-old that was bouncing off the walls scared to go out more than an hour because you'd probably get arrested so we used to walk around the block twice a, twice a day. Like, you end up being like the polar bear at Chester Zoo. There's a polar bear years ago at Chester Zoo that just used to walk back. And, and that's what it ended up being. And it was like, it can't have not done anything mentally to people, can it? it? It's how it got everyone. And then I think as well, the trouble is that I think as women, we're very good at masking what our actual problems are and saying that everything's okay, everything's fine, when actually it isn't. We should be able to say, do you know what, actually, my baby's done my head in today, and not feel any backlash from that, because you're human, and you have your own feelings, and they have their own things going on. What I've learned as a parent with the girls is, the best thing I can do is be honest. So if I'm struggling with something, open up and tell them, and apologise if I feel like I've done something wrong. If I feel like I've lost my temper because of something that's going on with me and I've effectively taken it out on them because they've not put the shoes on quick enough or whatever, to actually go back to them and say, do you know what, kids? I messed up there. I'm really sorry. <laughs> that's how I deal with my kids, basically, is that I, I just put my hands up. It's hard, I think. It's hard being a mum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you think those expectations come from outside of us? Did you feel that from other people? Because I noticed you said I didn't connect with Dot because I was stressed or this was what was going on with me. And it, and it may be, only you know, but I wonder if it just might not sometimes happen in the same way, but it still feels like we expect that of ourselves. Yeah, I've always been quite harsh on myself with my own expectations there's an awful lot of external noise, isn't there? Years ago, this is. I remember Coronation Street being on 
don't watch, I don't watch it, but it was, I think it was at my nan's or something. And there was a girl that was having a baby at the nativity randomly. Um, and she basically screamed three times and the baby came out. Right. It's unrealistic. It's an unreal expert. But as a person, when you're watching that, you then have that in your mind, even though you don't really think you've taken it in. So seeing mums on the school run with perfect makeup and and they look stunning, even when you're a kid, I remember there being a mum that was so glamorous. She, she had this massive beehive hair thing and full face of makeup every morning. They're, they're the things that stick with you. So when you become a mum, actually, you're like, well, I, I don't look like that or I can't act like that. I think it's a like a lifelong built-up expectation of how you'll be as a parent. And actually, it doesn't do you any good. I don't even know the woman's name. I can just remember her. But I can remember her. Yeah, really interesting, isn't it? Because I think there's a lot about social media. And exactly like you've said, you take in those bits through your life. And it's only when someone asks you, where did they come from? You think, oh, well, I remember this woman. But it's that face, isn't it? That glam in the morning. That's what you know about her. And we yeah. never say to ourselves like you could, well, all right, I don't I don't look glamorous in the morning, but I run a really successful business, business. you know, or I do yeah. these things, which maybe <clears throat> that woman didn't or did something else. So we just, we want it all, don't we? We want to be yeah. perfect in all areas of our life. It's really sad, actually, because you only get to that when you work on yourself, when you get a bit older, don't you? You realise, again, it's high hindsight. Like, my eldest came home the other day. She struggles with her reading. So she come home and she said to me, I'm not as clever as X in my class. And I was like, mate, you're sick. I took that personally because I was a bit like, well, I'm obviously not doing well enough to be able to boost your confidence to say, actually... Don't get me wrong, like they're told that they're beautiful and they're clever and they're smart and they're kind and they're but they don't believe it because she came home and said that. And I was like, dude. And I said to her, I said, No, you might not be able to read as good as her. That's fine. You'll learn to read at your own speed, which is the speed that you're meant to learn it at. But can they tell you what different types of houses are? Can they tell you, can they point out a detached house and can they point out a semi? No, they can't. So just because you can't read as well as her, you've got your own strengths and that's what you need to focus on rather than what you can't do. And I think it's nice because I've got to an age where I've had counselling, I've worked on myself and I think I'm able to hopefully manage their expectations of themselves better. So they can do what they can do and that's cool. Don't don't push yourself. You push you. Don't let anybody else push you. But it's things like that. And when they go to school, it all changes because you're their influence. She said to me the other day, my eldest, I would like an iPhone 11 for Christmas. I was like, do they even do iPhone 11s? I'm still on just iPhone. Like, <laughs> I said to her, do they do iPhone 11? And she was like, yeah, Sophie's got three phones. And I was like, and Sophie's one kid in her class. And I was like, why has she got three phones? Why has she got a phone? She's <laughs> six. Like, who does she need to ring? <laughs> who does she need to get in touch with? And my daughter sat next to me and she's like, 
mum, you're so mean. And you know, when you think in that moment, I really could do with someone else being here. To the point where I rung their dad and I was like, ask your dad. So she's on the phone on the van going, can I have an iPhone 11, dad? And he's like, is this a trick question? He's saying to me, it's a trick question, Kay. But yeah. And that's external influences. Mm. Even at that age, you're kind of peeing in the wind because you can put what you want to put in. But actually, like when they go to school, it just goes, it stands me. <laughs> that's got to be a real lesson as well, isn't it? You know, like you say, once you've worked on yourself or as you work on yourself, it never finishes, does it? You start to be able to see yourself better. So you think, OK, well, I can see this in my kids or I can try not to do it in this way. And then you've got to go through the whole process of letting go degree by degree as they go out in the world. And that must be a lesson. It's, yeah, it astounds me some of the things she comes home and says. Not being able to read as well as so-and-so, I can influence that in that I can point out her good bits. But if she's arguing with me about a mobile phone, the answer really is, well, no, because you're six and it's not actually necessary for you to have a phone. But that that's not what she hears she just hears that I'm being a bitch, basically, and I won't let her have a phone. So there's battles in there. You have to choose your battles. And I just in the end said, no, it's not happening, kid. Like, <laughs> if if you think I'm mean, that's fine. I'm okay with that because yeah. I'm not. I'm not giving in on this. Like, you don't need a phone. You're six. <laughs> so when, like all of the rest of us, would you say that you felt like not a perfect parent? Probably every day. In all honesty. <laughs> There's probably a moment of every day where I'm like, could have done that better. But I think the most important thing is learning from when you don't feel like that so you don't repeat that. I mean, I struggle with saying no to my kids a lot to the point where they go they go past the point of knowing when I mean no sometimes. And then I think to myself, right, I need to put boundaries in. And I do that for a couple of days and the consistency then goes. That's probably, it's one thing I think I wish I'd done sooner with them is that I'd put boundaries in and actually, because it's less of a fight then because they're just used to it. I try and be nice or nicer and it only bites you on your ass basically, doesn't it? Because then they're like, well, you let us do it that day. Well, I shouldn't have let you do it that day. I was extra tired or I couldn't be bothered with you crying or I think yeah every day but I think as long as you learn from it that's the most important thing do you think you've got an ease or is it something that grows as you go of saying yeah I'm not a perfect parent like you say some like a lot of the time especially as mums we struggle to say oh well I didn't get this right I didn't get that right but I feel like when you start saying that there's a freedom in it it's like we avoid yeah. it for such a long yeah. time but actually, actually I'm not a perfect that parent and that's okay yeah yeah it gives you I think it's like a like a free pass almost isn't it you know what I'm not I'm not a perfect parent and it's it's twofold in it I suppose no one's a perfect parent no matter what they put out on social media or what they portray on the school run or what they everybody's always learning aren't they like don't let that become the easy thing because you've let something slip that's not not being a perfect parent I remember somebody saying to me being a parent means that your kids don't very often agree with you 
because you put in the boundary in and the boundary is what they don't like. They're pushing. That's what they're pushing. And actually, if you stick to that, that's when you're doing a good job because they're fighting against you almost. If you've got that resistance with your kids, actually, you're doing all right because you're parenting. It's not meant to be easy. It's meant to be kind of tough. <laughs> it is, isn't it? I mean, I don't know if any one of us can say that it isn't. No matter how much you know or how hard you're trying, or it's really hard. So it feels like wearing that mask and saying, no, nah, I get it right all the time, because you've got to live up to that. You've got to yeah. live up to that kind of um, ideal that you're putting out there. Whereas I feel like, and it's it's extra pressure, isn't it? Whereas I feel like, like you say, once you say, do you know what? I'm not actually. Every, there's a point of every day where, because I would agree with you, there's a point of every day where I go, God, you know, I could have done that better. That was a two out of 10. But, yeah. but that gives me the opportunity then to go, okay, well, what could I do better? Yeah. Whereas if I refuse or if I find it too hard to say I got it wrong in the first place, I don't repair with my kids. I don't apologize and I yeah. don't learn and yeah. I can't connect because there's a real antidote, isn't there? And being in a safe space with other parents and being like, shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing here. Yeah. This has happened. Has anybody else been through this? Does anybody else know how this feels? What did you do? Have you got any advice? You don't know it all, do you? Even if you pretend you're perfect, you're not. Your mask slips. I remember one of my friends saying that her and her partner never argued. And I remember being like, don't get me wrong, me and my partner don't argue all the time, but we definitely have active discussions, <laughs> shall we say. <laughs> and I think... One of you must be compromising on everything because you're different people. And especially when it comes to parenting, my partner was brought up very differently than what I'm brought up. My partner's family were very much, um, this is your tea, you eat it, there's nothing else. If you don't eat all your tea, you don't get dessert. This is your bedtime. Like it was much more, it was much stricter where my mom, if I didn't want, if she was making spag ball and I didn't want it, she'd make me chicken nuggets. So it's we've got very much polar opposite upbringings. So then to come together and parent our children together, me and my partner were together eight years, I think it was, before we had Eva. And I thought we knew each other and then we had Eva. And the difference when you're bringing up babies and you've got hormones and you've got, like, that's when you really start to know each other. Like when you're disagreeing on, I think you should let her cry it out. I don't think I should let her cry it out or, you know, whatever that discussion is, whatever, that's when it really changes you. And that's when you really learn about each other, I think. That is so true. And that is another one of those taboos, isn't it? That we don't talk about. Like you say, I was with Nick, I think six years before we had kids. And it's that kind of, wow, this is a different side of you. And I think it's interesting because you start to see in a way that you maybe didn't yeah. how your own upbringing comes out of you as a parent and kind yeah. of comes out of each other and which bits you like and which bits you disagree on, like you say, because yeah. you talk about it beforehand and you think you're on the same page. Yeah. And then that child comes along and then it's a kind of divided loyalty because it's like, well, I've got, I don't want her to cry it out, but yeah. I, I want to support you. Yeah. So. It's that real difficulty. Yeah. And again, something else that we often don't talk feel able about. to talk about. Yeah. yeah. And it's crazy, really, like you said, that it then adds a different layer to your relationship as well because you're not just then 
you and your partner there's then you have the element of you and your mum and dad and then when you become a parent you see the things that you like and you don't like in your parents because you are your parents aren't you at the end of the day so I think it's great because you can change things so the way that you react to situations you can change based on what you didn't like off your upbringing but there's also many times where you slip into that because that's what you're used to and that's your natural you go back to it because it's comfortable rather than fighting it and I think they're the times when I beat myself up the most because that's when I feel like because I'm not being in my own head I'm not strong enough to fight that element of me when I'm tired or when I'm hungry or when I'm ill or whatever it is when it's your partner they're the same you revert back don't you and especially in the early days when your baby's little and you're not sleeping much then it's almost like true colors really come out don't they because you're both <laughs> and you're not you're not getting any sleep and actually you look I remember looking at my partner and being like what have I done not with the baby but with him because I was like well I, I thought I knew you I thought yeah. I knew how you'd react in this situation I thought I'd know how you'd be without sleep I thought I'd know how you'd be when something comes along and it's that precious to you, it just, your whole perception on life changes, doesn't it? Yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. like you said, it's another level, isn't it? Another level of learning. You knew you were coming to learn, but it always slaps you in the face what kind of learning yeah. it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really does, yeah. Yeah. What would you celebrate about the way that you parent because you've talked about a lot of things that I would celebrate about the way that you parent but we don't ask ourselves this very much do we no I think I am good at I feel out did you feel the pain in that then I know it's <laughs> hard isn't it <laughs> I think I think I'm good at discussing feelings with my kids I try very hard to enable them and empower them to be able to feel safe to discuss how they feel. We've got books on it. We talk about feelings. We had to have our dog put to sleep a few weeks ago. And my youngest, it was he was a best mate. So she's really struggled with it. But we've been to the library. We've picked up some books. We talk about him. Nothing's hidden from them. I cry in front of them about him. It's something I feel is very important for them to be able to voice how they feel so that they don't suppress anything and actually they don't end up necessarily needing to go and speak to someone in the future. Or I feel like that's my superpower as a mum kind of thing is that I like to be able to discuss feelings and and make them feel okay about them. Everybody Mm. gets angry, everybody gets sad, everybody gets happy, everybody gets don't feel like it's a bad thing. Because, again, I think societally, like, boys don't cry. Girls have to be able to do everything now. Girls have to play football and do really well at reading and do really, and and still look. The eldest came home the other day and she was like, I really don't like my hair, Mum. It's curly. And I was like, your hair is beautiful. It's curly. There's already expectations on them. I like to try and make sure they've got a safe space to be able to come and talk to me about anything so important as well isn't it because it comes back to what we were saying about letting go into the world and we have good days and bad days out in the world and so do they and it's about giving the tools isn't it which is 
is such an important thing to be able to do and I love that she comes to ask you and that's only going to be because it's safe to do that isn't it so big question but what do you feel like you've learned in your parenting journey sounds very flippant and quite easy to say and very hard to do you can't do everything the old saying of you need to make sure your cup's full before you can fill others I think is something that I definitely need to work on but it's something that's very very apparent I think as a mom I say to my partner like he goes out to work works full-time brilliant I run the property business so I'm running a business and then I have kid admin as well, kid parties, make sure presents are bought, make sure they don't miss school non-uniform days, make sure that the bills are paid for the school trip. Kids admin has a life of its own. So I think actually being able to ask for help, which is something I'm not particularly good at and is definitely something that needs to be worked on, I think is is probably the biggest thing that I know needs to be done to lean on people and to speak to people and ask for help actually <laughs> that's the lesson <laughs> did you learn that a hard way yes yeah yeah still still learning it again it's funny because as mums I think especially there is an expectation I think a lot of it's probably internally that actually you have to act a certain way be successful you know like if someone says, well, what do you do? And you said, I'm a stay-at-home mom. That's brilliant. But people don't view that as a job. And actually that is a job. It's a job in itself raising kids. So then you add the added pressure of running a business or illness or kid admin, ill parents, anything. You add anything on top of that, actually, you just become swamped, don't you? Mm-hmm. And I think if you're able to reach out and say, look, I need, I need help without feeling guilty because I think that's what you do you end up feeling like you're a failure if you ask for help I mean again the old saying is it takes a village there's a reason for that and I I think we all feel like we have to do it by ourselves we have to be our own little islands and actually that doesn't it doesn't really work it doesn't you need time by yourself still you need to arrange your thoughts you need to get your next week planned or you need to Make sure you you might just want to sit in the dark for an hour because <laughs> that's what you need. Um, but to be able to say, that is what I need, that's what I'm trying to learn to do better. You need to yeah. just give me 10 minutes. I just need 10 minutes by myself in a dark room and I'll be much better when I come out rather than carrying on drowning and trying to do whatever it is you're trying to do. There's such a fine line, isn't there, between surfing and riding all the waves of everything you're doing and drowning. And like you say, sometimes people don't see it. Because I remember my husband saying to me, he happens to work from home. And I remember he said, Jess, if I went out every day and like he would have pre-COVID and I went out eight in the morning and I came back at half past six for bedtime, I'd have no idea what you mean when you say that they've screamed all day. He said, I wouldn't actually know. I I mean, I'd hear it and I'd go, oh, baby, scream. But I wouldn't know what that actually meant in your head. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What what that actually, the impact it has. I'll say to my partner, they've they've done me head in today. 
And what that actually means is like they're going through a period at the minute where they're just fighting all the time. It doesn't seem to matter what I do. It doesn't seem to matter they get treated the same, but they say they both then want the same toy and then they fight or they want, they both want, I don't know, the same thing, different things on the telly and then they fight or they get to the point where they've got pads and I'll be like, right, just have 10 minutes on your pads, chill out, let me get this done. And then they'll end up fighting because so the big one wants to watch what's on the little one's pad and the little one, and I'm like, well, just swap your pads. Well, no, because that's not my pad. And I'm like, don't understand. It gets to the point where sometimes I'm like, I don't understand what your problem is because you're making a problem that's not there. Why, why are we doing this to ourselves? Like, but that on a weekend, if, if my partner's at work and he comes home and he's like, well, have you had a good day? And I'm like, no, the kids have been a nightmare. I don't think there is said this before men feel the pressure of having to provide to go back to work after two weeks which isn't long enough let's be honest the the mum then feels like the bloke's getting away from him and having a, a absolute ball at work the bloke saying you don't understand what it's like to go to work all day the mum's like well you haven't got a clue what it's like to have something attached to your boob all day or screaming all day or been unsettled unless like you said your husband has been there and has experienced it, and actually that probably helps an awful lot because he can put himself in your shoes. If you say they've screamed all day, it is no exaggeration, and he understands, he can empathise with what that actually means, can't he? Where a lot of the time dads can't. I think they think you say they've been screaming all day. They think it's been like 10 minutes, when actually the reality of it is, some days it is all day, isn't it? Yeah, some days it really is all day, yeah. and... I always think about it like a computer, you know, when you just open too many tabs and eventually it will crash. And that's yeah. how it feels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you you've got a capacity for yeah. noise. You've got a capacity for being touched and climbed on and saying that we've reached it or that we can reach it in a day is half the battle because it's exhausting enough without trying to keep that mask on. Yeah. Yeah, without pretending that actually you're all okay when you're not. And actually, I mean, I say to my kids, how many pairs of hands have I got? And they're like, one. I'm like, exactly. So when you're shouting your instructions at me, you have to realise sometimes that I am human and I can do one thing at a time. And actually, you need to chill out and either do it yourself, because there's a lot of things that you're asking me to do that you can do yourself, or you need to give me a minute. It sounds harsh, I think, when I say it out loud. I say to them, I've got one pair of hands. But actually, how do they learn a boundary? If You know, if you're tearing yourself in eight pieces in the morning to try and get everything done, and then they're asking you to put their shoes on when they're capable, like, where's that line again? They need to learn that, like you've just said, everyone has limits. Yeah. And, and they have limits too, so when they've, they're tired at the end of the day and they don't want to tell you about their day, that's because they've reached their limit. It's just that as a mum, I think you reach your limit about eight o'clock in the morning. <laughs> you don't get the day. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? Because you reach your limit, you pull yourself back sort of 10 times before, before yeah. anybody's even done anything. Yeah. But it's that constant balance, isn't it? It's that thing of one day, I mean, I speak to people with adult children and they always say, soak it up that they think you're superhuman that you've yeah. got 30 pairs of hands 
And then when you're when you're being asked to have 30 pairs of hands, you go, this is relentless. Like this yeah. is too much. Yeah. And I think it's just always going to be that set of scales, isn't it? Well, everyone says they'll say, oh, how old are they? And you say six and three and they'll go, oh, cherish it. And it doesn't get any easier. And I'm like, don't say that to me. Like, that's not helpful. That's not helpful advice, is it? Just say to me, when they're 16, they're a dream. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. Thanks. I know. It's so funny, isn't it? That nostalgia. Sometimes I love it. And someone gave me a really good bit of advice the other day. Instead of blink and you miss it, which I sometimes don't find that helpful either, especially if I've had a really tough day or week. Yeah. They said, you never know when the last time will be that they yeah. ask you. They come to you. And I thought, I I like that more. That's a, I can... like, yeah, it changes you. <laughs> it changes it, doesn't it? Yeah. I, I think I read it somewhere, probably on Instagram, something very similar. And my little girl, my eldest little girl, she, I think because she's changing schools, she's getting a little bit nervous. So she's sort of regressed a little bit. She wants a light on. She wants the door open. Um, and when they were little, I used to sing um, Can't Help Falling In Love With You by uh, Elvis Presley. And so she started asking me again. And at first I was like, no, I'm not. Like, we're, we're sort of, we're, we're past that kid. And then I read that. And she asked me one night and I was like, yeah, go on then. Because it's that in it, like, she, another year, she'll probably never ask me again. And actually, it's nice to just have two minutes at night. She puts her head on my lap and she's so grown up all the rest of the time. And in that moment, she's back to being my baby almost, if that makes sense. Like, I just sit there and I stroke her hair and I sing to her and I'm like, oh, yeah. It, it's a connection again, isn't it? It's a connection where it takes you back to where it started you get so busy and it just makes me stop yeah it's beautiful <laughs> isn't it? and we're all walking that tightrope of holding on and letting go but yeah. when they come back to you of their own accord yeah it's <laughs> a lovely thing yeah. it is yeah it is it surprised me really because I've, I've always said I'm, I don't feel like I'm particularly maternal I do anything for them but I'm not baking apple pies with them every weekend or whatever so when they do it, and, and I do get like, a, I get like a fuzzy feeling and I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I'm doing all right here. <laughs> so out of everything you've said, which is a lot of amazing <laughs> wisdom, what is your parenting takeaway? Don't be too harsh on yourself. Listen to your body. Listen to your brain. And whatever you think is right for your kid will be right. Ignore the external noise. And whatever you feel is right is right. I love that because instead of these bits of advice that we pick up that are like blanket rules, there aren't blanket rules for kids either because there aren't blanket rules for adults. It's just about trusting yourself yeah. and that connection. Yeah. You'll know. You'll know if it's right. Like the school, Eva choosing the school, I just gave her time. So just tell us a little bit about this. Eva decided she wanted to go to... A different school she just said to you one day I want to go to a different school yeah so my youngest has started at preschool which is at a different school to what Eva goes to we've been dropping dots off at preschool and Eva said to me one day I want to go to this school instead so I was like okay how do I deal with this um so asked her she said yes so I said we'd book a look round to see if she actually did want to go there. She said she liked it when we looked round. 
I sort of erred on the side of caution and explained to her that if she was to leave her current school, it would mean leaving her friends, it would leave, mean leaving her teachers, her routine, even the time we leave the house in the morning. I sort of pushed the bad side on her a little bit more rather than being like, oh, yeah, it's going to be amazing, you can do this, blah, blah, blah. I said to her, have some time to think, and I think she took about a week. I asked her a couple of times if she'd made her mind up in that week. She said no. I said, okay, take a little bit more time. And then she came home from school one day and she just said, I was sat in assembly and I had a thought and I've decided that I want to change schools. And I was like, okay, cool, let's do this then. Let's let's move you. One of the mums at school has asked me why I'm allowing her to make that decision since when did we let children decide? But I feel like I would undo my parenting style if I didn't allow her the option to voice her opinion and her want on this. It's a big decision for a kid to make. I appreciate that. But actually, she needs to know that I'm going to listen to her if she, throughout her life, she's going to have decisions that she's going to have to make. And I'd rather she felt like she could come and talk to me about them because I've empowered them with her decisions for from a young age. So she's very excited. So it's that real example of getting rid of that outside noise and knowing what's best, practicing what you preach. Yeah, 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 definitely. It's been it's been a bit scary, and I was a bit like, "Are are you sure? Are you sure?" Because it's it's massive. Like she's been there three years with her friends, and but she says all she's bothered about is going to school with Dotty, and that's what they'll do now. So if that's what is going to help her in school and it's going to keep her happy. And that's what makes her happy. That's all I'm bothered about. Made her own decision at six. <laughs> Amazing. And she was given that platform to do that. Yeah, she was. Yeah. 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 Okay. It's been so good speaking to you. Thank you so much for sharing your story and for all of your wisdom, of which there's been a lot. I talk a lot. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I love hopefully, it. It's been amazing. Hopefully it helps someone else. Makes, makes somebody else feel like we're all human. So. That's it. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Not A Perfect Parent. Come back again next week for the extraordinary wisdom of another ordinary parent. And if you've got a story to share, and don't we all, get in touch.